Section six of Idle Ideas in nineteen oh five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Idle Ideas in nineteen oh five by Jerome K. Jerome. Chapter six. Are early marriages a mistake? I am chary nowadays of offering counsel in connection with subjects concerning which I am not, and cannot be an authority. Long ago I once took upon myself to write a paper about babies. It did not aim to be a textbook on the subject. It did not even claim to exhaust the topic. I was willing that others coming after me should continue the argument. That is, if, upon reflection, they were still of opinion that there was anything more to be said. I was pleased with the article. I went out of my way to obtain an early copy of the magazine in which it appeared, on purpose to show it to a lady friend of mine. She was the possessor of one or two babies of her own, specimens in no way remarkable, though she herself, as was natural enough, did her best to boom them. I thought it might be helpful to her. The views and observations not of a rival fancier, who would be prejudiced, but of an intelligent amateur. I put the magazine into her hands, opened at the proper place. "'Read it through carefully and quietly,' I said. "'Don't let anything distract you. Have a pencil and a bit of paper ready at your side, and note down any points upon which you would like further information. If there is anything you think I have missed out, let me know. It may be that here and there you will be disagreeing with me. If so, do not hesitate to mention it. I shall not be angry.' If a demand arises, I shall very likely issue an enlarged and improved edition of this paper in the form of a pamphlet, in which case hints and suggestions that, to you may appear almost impertinent, will be of distinct help to me. I haven't got a pencil, she said. What's it all about? It's about babies, I explained, and I lent her a pencil. That is another thing I have learnt. Never lend a pencil to a woman if you ever want to see it again. She has three answers to your request for its return. The first, that she gave it back to you and that you put it in your pocket, and that it's there now, and that if it isn't, it ought to be. The second, that you never lent it to her. The third, that she wishes people would not lend her pencils and then clamour for them back, just when she has something else far more important to think about. "'What do you know about babies?' she demanded. "'If you will read the paper,' I replied, you will see for yourself. It's all there. She flicked over the pages contemptuously. There doesn't seem much of it, she retorted. It is condensed, I pointed out to her. I'm glad it is short. All right, I'll read it, she agreed. I thought my presence might disturb her, so went out into the garden. I wanted her to get the full benefit of it. I crept back now and again to peep through the open window. She did not seem to be making many notes but I heard her making little noises to herself. When I saw she had reached the last page, I re-entered the room. "'Well,' I said, "'is it meant to be funny?' she demanded. "'Or is it intended to be taken seriously?' "'There may be flashes of humour here and there.' She did not wait for me to finish. "'Because if it's meant to be funny,' she said, "'I don't think it is at all funny. And if it is intended to be serious,' There's one thing very clear, and that is that you are not a mother. With the unerring instinct of the born critic, she had divined my one weak point. Other objections raised against me I could have met. 
but that one stinging reproach was unanswerable it has made me as i have explained chary of tendering advice on matters outside my own department of life otherwise every year about valentine's day there is much that i should like to say to my good friends the birds i want to put it to them seriously is not the month of february just a little too early of course their answer would be the same as in the case of my motherly friend oh what do you know about it you are not a bird i know i am not a bird but that is the very reason why they should listen to me i bring a fresh mind to bear upon the subject i am not tied down by bird convention february my dear friends in these northern climes of ours at all events is much too early you have to build in a high wind and nothing believe me tries a lady's temper more than being blown about nature is nature and women-folk my dear sirs are the same all the world over whether they be birds or whether they be human i am an older person than most of you and i speak with the weight of experience if i were going to build a house with my wife i should not choose a season of the year when the bricks and planks and things were liable to be torn out of her hand her skirts blown over her head and she left clinging for dear life to a scaffolding pole i know the feminine biped and you take it from me that is not her notion of a honeymoon in april or may the sun shining the air balmy when after carrying up to her a load or two of bricks and a hod or two of mortar we could knock off work for a few minutes without fear of the whole house being swept away into the next street could sit side by side on the top of a wall our legs dangling down and peck and morsel together after which i could whistle a bit to her then house-building might be a pleasure the swallows are wisest june is their idea and a very good idea too in a mountain village in the tyrol early one summer i had the opportunity of watching very closely the building of a swallow's nest after coffee the first morning i stepped out from the great cool dark passage of the wirtschaft into the blazing sunlight and for no particular reason pulled to the massive door behind me while filling my pipe a swallow almost brushed by me then wheeled round again and took up a position on the fence only a few yards from me he was carrying what to him was an exceptionally large and heavy brick he put it down beside him on the fence and called out something which i could not understand i did not move he got quite excited and said some more it was undoubtable he was addressing me nobody else was by i judged from his tone that he was getting cross with me at this point my travelling companion his toilet unfinished put his head out of the window just above me such an odd thing he called down to me i never noticed it last night a pair of swallows are building a nest here in the hall you've got to be careful you don't mistake it for a hat-peg the old lady says they have built there regularly for the last three years then it came to me what it was the gentleman had been saying to me i say sir you with a bit of wood in your mouth you have been and shut the door and i can't get in now with the key in my possession it was so clear and understandable i really forgot for the moment he was only a bird i beg your pardon i replied i had no idea such an extraordinary place to build a nest i opened the door for him and taking up his brick again he entered and i followed him in there was a deal of talk he shut the door i heard him say chap there sucking the bit of wood thought i was never going to get in i know was the answer 
it has been so dark in here if you'll believe me i've hardly been able to see what i've been doing fine brick isn't it where will you have it observing me sitting there they lowered their voices evidently she wanted him to put the brick down and leave her to think she was not quite sure where she would have it he on the other hand was sure he had found the right place for it he pointed it out to her and explained his views other birds quarrel a good deal during nest building but swallows are the gentlest of little people she let him put it where he wanted to and he kissed her and ran out she cocked her eye after him watched till he was out of sight then deftly and quickly slipped it out and fixed it the other side of the door poor dears i could see it in the toss of her head they will think they know best it is just as well not to argue with them every summer i suffer much from indignation i love to watch the swallows building they build beneath the eaves outside my study window such cheerful little chatterboxes they are long after sunset when all the other birds are sleeping the swallows still are chattering softly it sounds as if they were telling one another some pretty story and often i am sure there must be humour in it for every now and then one hears a little twittering laugh i delight in having them there so close to me the fancy comes to me that one day when my brain has grown more cunning i too listening in the twilight shall hear the stories that they tell one or two phrases already i have come to understand once upon a time long long ago in a strange far-off land i hear these words so constantly i am sure i have them right i call it swallow street this row of six or seven nests two or three like villas in their own grounds stand alone and others are semi-detached it makes me angry that the sparrows will come and steal them the sparrows will hang about deliberately waiting for a pair of swallows to finish their nest and then with a brutal laugh that makes my blood boil drive the swallows away and take possession of it and the swallows are so wonderfully patient never mind old girl says tommy swallow after the first big cry is over to jenny swallow let's try again and half an hour later full of fresh plans they are choosing another likely site chattering cheerfully once more i watched the building of a particular nest for nearly a fortnight one year and when after two or three days absence i returned and found a pair of sparrows comfortably ensconced therein i just felt mad i saw mrs sparrow looking out maybe my anger was working upon my imagination but it seemed to me that she nodded to me nice little house ain't it what i call well built mr sparrow then flew up with a gaudy feather dyed blue which belonged to me i recognized it it had come out of the brush with which the girl breaks the china ornaments in our drawing-room at any other time i should have been glad to see him flying off with the whole thing handle included but now I felt the theft of that one feather as an added injury. Mrs. Sparrow chirped with delight at sight of the gaudy monstrosity. Having got the house cheap, they were going to spend their small amount of energy upon internal decoration. That was their idea, clearly a liberty interior. She looked more like a cockney sparrow than a country one. Had been born and bred in Regent Street, no doubt. There is not much justice in this world, said I to myself, but there's going to be some introduced into this business, that is, if I can find a ladder. I did find a ladder, and fortunately it was long enough. Mr. and Mrs. Sparrow were out when I arrived, possibly on the hunt for cheap photo-frames and Japanese fans. 
I did not want to make a mess. I removed the house neatly into a dustpan and wiped the street clear of every trace of it. I had just put back the ladder when Mrs. Sparrow returned with a piece of pink cotton wool in her mouth. That was her idea of a colour scheme. Apple blossom pink and rackets blue side by side. She dropped her wool and sat on the water spout and tried to understand things. Number one, number two, number four, where the blazes sparrows are essentially common and the women are as bad as the men is number three mr sparrow came up from behind over the roof he was carrying a piece of yellow fluff part of a lampshade as far as i could judge move yourself he said what's the sense of sitting there in the rain i went out for a moment replied mrs sparrow i could not have been gone no not a couple of minutes when i came back oh get indoors said mr sparrow talk about it there it's what i'm telling you continued mrs sparrow if you would only listen there isn't any door there isn't any house isn't any mr sparrow holding on to the rim of the spout turned himself topsy-turvy and surveyed the street from where i was standing behind the laurel bushes i could see nothing but his back he stood up again looking angry and flushed what have you done with the house can't i turn my back a minute i ain't done nothing with it as i keep on telling you i had only just gone oh bother where you had gone where's the darned house gone that's what i want to know they looked at one another if ever astonishment was expressed in the attitude of a bird it was told by the tales of those two sparrows they whispered wickedly together the idea occurred to them that by force or cunning they might perhaps obtain possession of one of the other nests but all the other nests were occupied and even gentle jenny swallow once in her own home with the children round about her is not to be trifled with mr sparrow called at number two put his head in at the door and then returned to the water spout lady says we don't live there he explained to mrs sparrow there was silence for a while not what i call a classy street commented mrs sparrow if it were not for that terrible tired feeling of mine said mr sparrow blame if i wouldn't build a house of my own perhaps said mrs sparrow i have heard it said that a little bit of work now and then does you good all sorts of wild ideas about in the air nowadays said mr sparrow it don't do to listen to everybody and it don't do to sit still and do nothing neither snapped mrs sparrow i don't want to have to forget i'm a lady but well any man who was a man would see things for himself why did i ever marry retorted mr sparrow they flew away together quarrelling chapter six